This is episode 41 of The Best Version of You. Today, we are extremely privileged to have the guys from All Call Signs on the show. These guys, Dan and SJ, have started this amazing business that help veterans and service personnel from all walks of life across all branches of our amazing military who suffer from mental health problems and they help them get back on their feet. Please tune in and listen to their amazing story of how they started the business and also how they've recently won an an amazing Millie's Award. Today's show is sponsored by Combat Fuel. Combat Fuel is also a veteran-owned business, an amazing brand that offers all types of supplements at an amazing price. I'm a big fan of the brand myself. I use the amino acids and the whey protein, so it's a privilege for me to have Combat Fuel sponsor the show. Now back to the episode. Hello, this is AJ Roberts, 15-year British Forces veteran, entrepreneur, high-performance coach and loving father and husband. This podcast is for the motivated, for the inspired, for those looking to level up their lives through fitness, nutrition and their mindset. Welcome to The Best Version of You. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to another live episode of The Best Version of You. Today I am joined by these two legends on my right. We've got Dan and SJ from a fantastic business called All Call Signs. Now, I've been trying to get these guys on the show for ages. Um, they've been quite busy, obviously I've been quite busy. Uh, they've been out getting awards and stuff like that. So I thought it was a great time to finally get them on and explain everything that they do. One of the Millies right there. <laughs> um, so, bit of a brief background. Both military guys, served their time for Queen and Country, done tours of Afghan and Iraq. Um, and like many other people saw that there was a real um, pen, uh, pandemic of veteran suicides. This led them to open up this amazing business called All Call Signs, which they're going to talk a lot more about as we go on. Um, but what they try and do is try and curb the amount that that happens. Um, again, they'll explain how they do that. So obviously, um, Dan, SJ, welcome to the show firstly. Thanks for having us, mate. It's really good. Uh, finally got to pin us down, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, for the benefit of the viewers and the listeners, if uh, if you can just share like a bit about your military background, because you're both in the same unit, the uh, f- f- 2nd Battalion? 2nd Battalion, Princess Wales Royal Regiment, yeah. So um, I joined in 2003, uh, just as we decided that we were going to go and take on the whole planet all the time. Um, and I did 10 years, was medically discharged in 2013. I broke my back um, in a ridiculous accident, nothing combat related, and then saw a real rapid decline in kind of my mental health and things, and that's pretty much one of the reasons why I was here. I mean, your story's slightly different, isn't it, mate? Yeah, so I um, served five years, uh, served in Northern Ireland, so yeah, joined, you were in unit when I joined. Yeah, mate. Um, you were still enjoying it, uh, still in unit when I left. So yeah, um, it was an interesting time. But I was compassionately discharged um, after a period of poor mental health. So have experience of both poor mental health in service and also outside of service, um, which became very kind of pertinent to setting this up. Yeah, so it's like immediately you share that like same bond uh, of going through poor mental health problems, um, being in that system. 
um, probably seeing like where things could have been done better. Um, you had your own opinions on that. Um, and obviously, it's, it's great that you obviously share that bond, not just from a military perspective, but also for wanting to help others like overcome kind of stuff that you've got to go because it is a, it is a very very terrible thing to go to like when you have like severe levels of mental health conditions um i've said to many of the listeners and the viewers in the past like me doing this podcast for example um doing the coaching doing the speaking stuff like, that, like that's my therapy for the terrible things i've unfortunately witnessed and um mental health is a strong place in my heart and again which is why i wanted to get you guys on the show um my best friend took his life two and a half years ago uh, just in the sergeant's mess like totally out of the blue um, it was kind of alcohol related as well but there was a lot of underlying problems and yeah. that's the issue and this is the great work that you guys do is like really kind of showcases that um, so run us through sort of like some um, some brief things in the military that you, you both kind of went through that you know, led to these, you know, having these sort of mental health problems. I mean, then he's going to graphic detail and that, but, you know, was it particular tours or was it just sort of like just one thing after the other? Yeah, so for myself, I did a two and a half year residential in Northern Ireland, did six months in Iraq on Telic 5. And uh, for me, it was Afghanistan all day long. It was the events that happened in Afghanistan, um, in Garmasir. So as well as being like um, a, a commander out there was like a patrol medic. So a lot of mine was kind of trauma-based, um, like your mates, locals, things like that. So that's really um, probably months after coming back was when I started to um, show signs and symptoms that I didn't pick up for like years, years later, which we'll see from loads of people. And we see it day in, day out, don't we? That it takes like, many years before you're kind of self-aware I guess that hang on there's something not quite right here um so for me that kind of manifested in drink and drugs um in a big way and I ended up um standing in a dock looking down the barrel of like six and a half years mm. and that was kind of my sobering like yeah you need to sort your life out kid mm. so yeah that was for me yeah I guess for me it was I went into the the military with with poor mental go. health so um that's kind of another thing that we've campaigned on and stuff is kind of better screening and understanding of kind of things that are, um, you know, affecting people before they join. But yeah, when I joined, I was not really that well. Um, and that probably should have been picked up sooner. Um, I spent a lot of the time away, isolated, depressed, um, just generally low of mood uh, when I was serving. Uh, and it wasn't really picked up for what it was. And I doing silly stupid things impulsive things just making poor decisions um which when you're in the military just passes off as a fun saturday night <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very very easy to mask um and it's only when you do get out and you look back and you go well wow that probably wasn't a, a really good decision yeah that wasn't something that was good to do i can't believe that nobody else picked up on that and kind of saw that as a flag and kind of went are you okay do you know what i mean but um i mean we're really good now at picking up on those flags and those cues that people put out there and asking people that question you know are you okay is there anything that we can do to help um but yeah uh, for years it just went really quite unnoticed and just do, do you think that's because it's uh, so well documented now um obviously the the power of social media just like really pushing out there good, good or bad it, it, it's out there a lot more isn't it so you know casting back to then do you think it was because not really people paid much attention to it it was just kind of lip service do you think that might be a way, reason why that it was kind of missed 
I think that's definitely a part of it. I think there was even more of a, a proactive just not wanting to kind of recognise it for what it was and just pretend it isn't happening. Mm. And the, it's, it's the same as kind of drink. Like, look at drink. People always say, you don't have a drink problem when you're in service. The, the problem starts when you leave. Because yeah. sinking 10 pints on a, on a Friday night is normal when you're serving. But it's only when you leave and, you know, your civvy mates want two and then go home. And you go, well, why am I the only one still here kind mm. of thing? Um, that you recognise that that is a problem. Mm. Uh, it's the same for kind of poor mental health, making impulsive decisions, doing silly things, um, isolating yourself. All of those things seem like business as usual when you're serving. It's only when you leave that you realise, okay, maybe there is an issue here. Um, and I think in general, we've got so much better, uh, both within the military now uh, and outside of it, at recognising poor mental health, recognising when there are issues. Uh, and a lot of that has come from awareness and people kind of stepping up and um, sharing their lived experiences of poor mental health so that other people can identify when they're having issues hmm. and come forward sooner rather than waiting for that massive kind of meltdown crisis before they come forward and say, yeah, I'm not good. Yeah, and um, I mean, one of the key things that you guys do is you have like your uh, your beacon alert, don't you? Well, so when a veteran goes missing anywhere around the country, you've got that sort of reach to be able to like <coughs> really um, lower you know, the chances of them taking their own life um, talk, like that, that's the key moment isn't it yeah. like, it's just that, that window isn't it of when they're at that, their utmost pain that they're at their you know their wits end and that they feel that they're not enough it's just that it's that moment isn't it that it's just trying to get there and do something about it in that key moment whether that's you know unfortunately like people hang themselves or people taking overdoses and stuff like that it's just trying to get that, that window and that's I guess what people are trying to do worldwide isn't it is trying to get there at that point or before it um, so what you guys are doing with this beacon alert thing is like unbelievable um, just talk us through like how that actually works like so do you get a like a call from somebody um, or is it do you just get like you know a text or a message saying this person's gone missing? Like, just run us through how that kind of works. So the idea came about from a very similar experience to you. So someone who we served with, who then went on to um, serve in an SF unit, kind of bigger, larger than life uh, individual, Danny, um, took himself off and was missing, and it hit social media, and they were like, "Danny's gone. He's like." Um, off grid um, or Charlie Charlie one as people used to say and we rallied round as a unit and as a veteran community and we got together and put a search out for him and unfortunately after three days he was found to have been um, passed and he had taken his own life and that's when we really had a conversation um, there's kind of a load of uh, misconceptions with police that they can't get out um, within 24 hours or they don't act within 24 hours um, and we were really really aware that kind of like the thin blue line is only getting thinner like numbers are falling short um, and that's where the concept of Beacon came about so in essence we get a family member or someone who served with an individual come forward and say uh, Joe Bloggs missing been missing since this long this is the police reference number and what we do is we use social media as a tool to make that individual viral and I think numbers nowadays between one and three million people within 24 hours have visibility on a post. What that does is it serves a purpose that you can't get on public transport, you can't go and take cash out, you can't go into a pub, you literally cannot go anywhere um, within the UK and wider without someone clocking you and pinging you and then feeding in information to us. A um, bit similar to like the hunted and things like that, what they do, they literally saturate everyone, make loads of noise, go really noisy, and it just limits your ability to move um, using police assets like AMPR, 
truck drivers up and down the motorways all over the country and we can really get good firm quick steers on people and bring them in mm. quite quickly to date uh, I think what what numbers are we on today? Eighty two. Eighty two positive recoveries. Uh, Eighty two. Uh, Eighty two beacons, beacons alert, launched. And I believe seventy six uh, positive recoveries. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's a, a that's an unbelievable like success rate. Um, in in about eighteen months. Yeah, that, uh, but again, in eighteen months, that's a fairly short period. Um, and we're only looking at the veteran community, aren't we? Yep. Um, which so that's actually quite veteran and serving, but yes. Yeah, so that's quite significant numbers as well, really. Um, so I mean, kudos to you guys. Like, and it's exactly you. why I want to get you guys on the show and just showcase like the importance of what you guys do. Um, I mean, we, we we've got other friends who have mental health problems that potentially don't go down that route. Um, what sort of? I mean, I mean, obviously you've done you've done Afghan tours, like same as myself and a lot of our peers. Um, what are you finding um, with the men and women who are haven't done Afghan tours like that? What's the sort of the traits in like the, the mental health issues that people are having at the minute? Because you see, um, you see all the old boys, uh, you know, when when someone goes missing and they're all like, "What well, my day?" Like you know, Northern Ireland, this blah blah blah. Like what have they done? Like there's not a checklist that you have to check Completely. off. Completely, you know, it gives you that like, oh, suddenly now you're at this level that you, know, you qualify for PTSD. Um, you know, I, I've actually um, had a coaching client in the past that has got PTSD from watching their kids being born. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's trauma, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what are you finding nowadays with the, the young men and women who haven't experienced Afghan or Iraq stuff like that? That is the the key drivers to the, the mental health problems. I guess we're really trying to change the narrative in the um, serving and veteran communities that mental health doesn't have to be mud, blood, and guts. Mm. Doesn't have to be PTSD. PTSD almost seems to be the spicy one. Or like, it sounds crass to say it, but we have seen people that are like actively kind of seeking it. But there are things like adjustment disorder, anxiety, depression, um, things that happened in people's childhood, things that happened like bullying in units. It doesn't always have to be combat related. And we're kind of trying to broaden that horizon and try and make people aware that Mental health is truly indiscriminate. Um, we get people walk in the door all the time like, oh, can you help me? I haven't deployed. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got mental health that's attributed to your service, then we're here for you. Yeah, we've had, uh, unfortunately, beacons that have, you know, we've not been able to get to in time and they've taken their own lives from people that have never deployed. Uh, we've got people on our books right now that have never left training but are still suffering from poor mental health. So it's as much as, yes, there is definitely... Uh, an increase in risk the more you're kind of exposed to trauma and that happens a lot more on tour so we're seeing a lot of people come through now from Afghanistan and Iraq finally kind of reaching out and saying enough's enough I need to kind of get some help here mm. um, but really uh, mental health as a whole as Dan said is really indiscriminate and it can affect loads of people in different ways and a lot of time actually um, you'll find that it's something that happened on tour or on camp that is um, not the main driver of the issue, but it's exacerbated an issue from previous trauma. So mm. something that could have happened in childhood, something that could have happened in their younger years before they joined, um, something has triggered them and kind of gone, okay, that's kind of brought back all of these feelings and this, this is making me feel this way. It's finally time to reach out and get some help. Mm. So we're, um, you know, very early doors when we set this up, we changed our language from talking about um, combat associated mental illnesses to talking about service associated mental illnesses mm -hmm. because we wanted to kind of put that umbrella over everyone and make sure that everyone understands that we're not just here for you if rounds have been going down flinging across your head and that's kind of put you in a bad place whatever it is as long as you've worn uniform we're here for you yeah yeah that, that, that's absolutely remarkable mate and um with uh 
with with the sort of like sort of levels of mental health that, that you're talking about, um, and you, you touched on it there, a lot of it can be down to the environment that people are brought up in and, and yep. those triggers. Um, but I, I, I found just from looking in and the amount of talking I've done to people, just you know, off records, one to one, just being their shoulder. Uh, well, you're pulling up a sandbag, as they say. <laughs> right. Um, is that it's often the environment that they um, they f- they find themselves in when they leave. You know, and you often become a product of your environment, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and you find that they've gone from a really robust, like you know, socialising unit, for example, to then into an environment where they just might be occupying a little office cubicle and stuff like that. And it's it's that adjustment as well, isn't it, that often strikes. At, at, at heart and you know they're suddenly having to pay all these bills that they didn't have to pay yeah, and, completely. and a lot of that time do you find that triggers off with a lot of like veterans yeah, who have done a, a bit of a bit of service yeah transitioning and adjustment disorder are huge within kind of like the military at the moment and there's kind of two arms of that like you, you, you people that kind of leave before their four-year point um are typically quite high risk but also the guys that joined at like 16 spent their formative years in the military and then they're getting out of the end. And like you rightly say, you pay reduced bills. Like when we joined, you didn't have none of this pay as you dine. Like literally you could go out on payday, smash everything and you were squared. So it doesn't particularly teach you great kind of money sense. You lose that camaraderie, that kind of um, banter within the wire. And then you come outside and it seems like a bit of an alien environment. People don't understand the way you talk. They don't understand the way you are. You, you, you've lost that brotherhood community. Um, and that's really why we started our chat and our function as well. So we've got 500 veteran volunteers that man a network at the press of a button. You could be paired with one of them just for peer support. They're not professionals. They're not experts in what they're doing. But you can provide that in the wire kind of naffy gossip banter outside. So you could have one. You could have 15 if you want. But it just provides that. And that's all the way from I'm getting out. I've started a new job. No one really understands me. Like I called someone among the other day and they looked at me like I was like absolutely abhorrent all the way to do you know what I think I'm starting to circle the drain a little bit I really need some help mm. and we've seen that really well taken haven't we what yeah. what do you reckon the figures are at the moment on that yeah high yeah so between uh, 50 really 70 well. to 100 people coming in a week to have those really? conversations and we don't have any visibility of it um I mean you wrote the code yeah, didn't it's you just, it's a layer that sits over whatsapp so once the connection is made between the person that's low of mood or just needing a bit of a, a hand to the person who's volunteered to be a listener that's between them and the way that it works differently to a standard call center is that once you've made that connection once you're connected with that person you stay connected so that person can reach out to you as much as you reach out to them make sure that you're okay so if you if i have a conversation with you tonight where you've kind of expressed that you're low of mood you're not feeling very great a lot of stuff's going on you've got a lot of stress in your life then tomorrow I could check up on you I'm be like how are you feeling after last night you seemed a bit a bit tense and you'd be like do you know what woke up clear head you know last night I was drinking today I'm clear headed and I'm, I'm okay or yeah still not great and in which case we can continue the conversation and continue to give mm-hmm. you support so that's the way that it works different if you let's look there's loads of services out there but let's use the Samaritans as an example so to, you, you call today you speak to Mandy you call tomorrow you speak to Sandy you, you call the next day you speak to Andy and it's you have to retell that story again you mm-hmm. have to explain yeah. what's wrong with you kind of why you're feeling this way um, what's led you to kind of reach out for help whereas with us once you've made the connection that's you two then mm-hmm. and if yeah. you need to if you want to speak to someone else then you just go through the chat function again yeah and you get someone else and uh, no, I totally get what you're saying and um, majority of veterans um and even serving people 
would have experienced that in the past that um, having to repeat yourself again yep. because a lot of the like physiotherapists for example and a lot of um, other sort of specialists are on uh, like six monthly rotors isn't they mm-hmm. so like you, I, I found that myself after having like, you probably would have found it having your, your back problem and that and then you just you don't you lose that relationship and then you feel like you're starting again all the time don't you yep. so yeah I think that's a cracking idea what you've done there you've kind of um, well seen the signs early of like what not to do Completely, um, and that come for our own treatment, really. Like I sat in front of a, a therapist, like newly qualified, and no fault of our own at all. But then we started getting into it, like anyone that's been through like CBT or talking therapies. Um, and like by the third session, when you're getting into the spicy stuff, and I sat there and I started telling her about some of my trauma, and I looked up and she was physically moved, like she didn't know how to handle it. One, she couldn't relate. Two, half the language I was using was completely alien to her, and she was physically moved at the end of it. And I was like, oh, like are you okay, hun? Like just give you a like but it became apparent and through conversations the best person to talk to about it is someone who's been there in one uniform you find them relatable they understand the language and you're more likely to open up with someone who's been there if you were like I was on Herrick 9 oh, I was on Herrick 8 oh boom do you know so and so boom yeah, yeah. you're into it and it, yeah. it works yeah and I, I find that myself and I've, I've talked about that a lot with um, without shooting the specialists down you know that have you know spent years, no, completely. years through like medical schools and psychology schools and stuff like that um, I think this niche, this veteran niche, is ju- exactly that, mm. and I think for them, it's a bit of a minefield. Like, excuse the pun. It's uh, yeah. because of that what they go through is, is totally different from what anyone else goes through, into, especially with the combat-related stuff. Yeah, uh, and people who are into Afghans or Iraqs, and then even Northern Ireland vets and that, they still suffer. Even Falklands, like. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes all the certificates across your office in the world may not help certain types of people and then certain types of people need that peer support um, that ability to be able to pull up a sandbag and chew the fat with somebody who knows what they're talking about and, mm-hmm. and it's 100% relatable because you know you can sit there and say like try and make Johnny feel good yep. um, yeah. with what you've been taught in university and stuff like that but I think yeah it's very a very niche subject so the things like this what you guys are doing uh, and the mental health support charities and that are vital and really vital. Um, what's uh, the support that you obviously um, you give the guys? I mean, it. What's the what's the longest you've like had to work with somebody before coming out the other side? Is there, do you, I, I guess there's no limit. You're always going to be there for yeah, people. Completely. But, um, yeah, completely. there's there's no there's no right answer. There's no kind of formula for it either. Yeah. We've got. Um, you know, guys and girls that were some of the first people through the service when we opened our doors, mm. that are still with us today. So we're looking at, you know, the better part of two years now. Mm. Um, and we're still kind of speak to them every other week and make sure that they're ticking over and mm-hmm. everything that oh, they're cool. doing is, yeah. is still, you know, good. So there is no set answer. Kind of, we have averages. So um, on average, we look after somebody or uh, are in regular contact with someone for 70 days. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be kind of the, the period. Okay. where we, we look after somebody but again each person is different mm. and some and again the, the level of care that we need to provide so bearing in mind that we're not clinical treatment specialists we're not here offering kind of cognitive behavioral therapy ourselves or trying to be kind of experts in mental health ourselves we're just offering you know a, a friendly ear a shoulder to cry on when it's needed and if you do need that more professional treatment then yeah, coming to all call signs, you're probably going to be able to get into that quicker because we, you know, we're partnered with the right people and we can get you onto the pathway that you need. Um, but 
a lot of people, we might speak to them once a week and it's just a half an hour chinwag. It's just a chat to make sure that they're okay. Mm. Um, a, a sounding board so that they can let us know about kind of the stresses in their life. Mm-hmm. We can kind of offer some advice or some, you know, from our own experiences and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's, there really is no no set time limit. And we offer, I mean, we, we talk about it as whole life care. So if you call us today, um, we're not going to start a stopwatch and say in six weeks you're somebody else's problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. As long as you need mm. us um, and, and happy to be so. And I guess that's another way that we really differentiate ourselves from anyone else. There's no, yeah. there's no time limit on how long you can mm. you can be under all call signs care. We'll look after you for as long as you need. Well, in terms of like actual pers- personal reaches and like people coming through your actual door um, of, of, of this place here, uh, you find that it's mainly people in like the Portsmouth, Solent area. Are you getting people coming as far? Yeah, we have people travel quite far, don't we? Yeah. So like North of Hampshire, like your Andovers, your Aldershots. Um, we put on a 10k run um, to raise money for us last year and someone drove from Wales, someone come from Swindon. Like People come all over. Uh, it's fair to say that our biggest reach is over our social media platform. So if you were to club our social media platforms together, we're probably reaching over 100,000 people at the moment. Um, yeah, like, um, probably typically see around about three, three and a half million reach a month on Facebook alone. Oh, good. So, yeah, we, we're getting the message out there to people and just trying to change mm. that narrative and get people to abolish the kind of man-up culture and things that yeah. have been so damaging to um, like military personnel over the years. Yeah, no, that's, that's brilliant. And um, I, well, I was actually uh, on the phone to my mum on the way here and uh, she was like, what are you off there for? And I told her I was coming here. Like, she's like, I've been following them guys since day one. <laughs> um, it's gleaming. The fact, I guess the, the interesting thing for us, when we opened up this kind of physical space, we really didn't have any expectation of what it was mm. going to be like because we went from being kind of phone, uh, like online support to phone support to physical presence. So we really didn't know what to expect. And we sat here, this, the, this table is kind of where we sit five, six days a week and just wait for people to come through the door and just see what they need. But we watch people kind of go past the window two, three, four times, just kind of peeking in, not really kind of doing anything. Or people will come in, because we sell merchandise from here as well, they'll come in and be like, yeah, just come in to buy a T-shirt. And then they'll come in the next day and they'll be just like, just come to drop off some tea bags, you guys do an amazing job. And then the third time they come in, they'll be like, look, I'm in rag order, like, I'm, yeah. I'm really struggling. And they'll kind of, it takes that, it's almost like, you know, like a shy animal, like you've got to be really kind of gentle and just mm. encourage people to come in and, and trust you. It is... Um, veterans are like that they kind of want to smell you and just make sure that you're okay and that wow you're not gonna, yeah, you know and then they eventually do come in sit down and then once they open up it's just that kind of okay um don't say very much let them download get it all off their chest and then say okay well here's here's some stuff that we can do for you and, and some services that we can put in place but it does take that kind of one two three four communications um, before they kind of really open up and then you've got people on the other side of that that literally don't even say hello when they walk through the door just start verbal <laughs> diarrhea yeah just belt fed download of just everything mm. that they've gone through um, because they're sat at home they've psyched themselves up they're finally reaching out for help and it's almost that kind of load off their mind where they go thank god I told someone that because like that's been eating away at me for however long so everybody that leaves through that door feels better than when they came in mm. and that's kind of the the goal that we're trying to achieve. I yeah, guess there's the third arm of everyone that's frog marched in by their missus or girlfriend or mum. Yeah, we yeah. see that a lot. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah, yeah, by the ear, get in there. Talk. You need to finally talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's awesome. So I guess for you guys, um, yeah, as rewarding as it is as well, um, every day is like different, I guess. 
yeah, hugely. Well, someday we can be dealing with like um, trying to intervene in someone who's um, quite adamant and has a plan to take their own life. Other days it can be really jovial where we're meeting families of people that we've kind of met, helped and supported and they're coming and expressing their gratitude. Um, and yeah, it, it's really different. And I suppose, I guess we could both attest that uh, I don't think we realised how much of an effect it would have on us either, ever really, over right. the time. So sometimes it's really, really elating to know that you found someone or you're getting feedback that you've supported someone or you're driving around. I was on the M6 services and some guy came up to me in the toilets and he was wearing our merchandise and he was like, yes, mate. And I'm like, boom, that makes you feel good. Mm. But then there's other times where just kind of, every, like we're dealing with our own mental health as well, just things weigh on you and you have to be really, we're quite good at dealing with each other. Like you'll walk in and I'll be like, you're not good, come talk. Um, and it's trying to manage it that way, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been yeah, a hell we, of a mad journey. We do journey. really drink our own medicine as well. Like we've become very good at recognising the cues in each other mm. of when we're not great, and yeah, like that's picking important. that up and just making sure that we're there to be yeah. supporting that way. I guess one kind of really the thing that drives it home, I guess, is we went to uh, London to the Millie Awards, um, where we won this. This bad boy. Plug, 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 plug. plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, for supporting the armed forces community. And so we're there, we're tuxedoed up, we're sitting at a table, loads of celebrities running around, um, getting selfies and all that kind of stuff. It's a really with us, night. by the way. The with celebrities want yeah, their pictures with yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I can't take a picture. No, and yeah, it's, it's just a really good night. Not really having any expectation of winning, up against some fairly stiff competition, and then they call our name out. We go up on stage, it's probably like looking out on that crowd of people, just thinking, we do what we do, not, obviously not for the awards, it's just kind of, we, we want to do kind of what we can to help our brothers and sisters in arms. Well, that's that's the award there. in itself though, isn't it? It mm. is the award, yeah. And, but stood there with all those other people kind of clapping and everything else, it was just a really humbling moment that other people recognise what we're doing and appreciate it. And then sat back down at the table, again the wine's flowing, and the backphone goes, and it's somebody coming through that needs support. So literally, like, winding myself out of that room, going to find a quiet space, ending up in a cubicle toilet, um, talking to someone who's come through and said, look, um, I'm sat with a bunch of pills in front of me, I'm trying to find a, a reason to stay alive, I want to speak to you about it. And it's kind of like, okay, wow, none of that matters anymore mm -hmm. that's all in a different world and you're again focused back in that zone okay what can I do tell me about it mm -hmm. just trying to keep that person alive and it really is um, it, it sounds kind of a, a bit crass to say it's life or death but some days that phone goes and it's quite literally like you're the only you're the only thing tethering that person to life mm. and you need to stay on the phone and make sure that you give them the support that they need so yeah. it really can go from kind of that really elating kind of this is amazing um one second to really game face this, on this is why we're here mm. kind of mm. thing in the next yeah uh, mate, that's absolutely unbelievable and uh, again rightly so that you guys have come away with an award um but what you just said there like um regardless of where it was um at what point obviously when somebody calls you and they tell you that they're you know that they're tether end and they're just like this is it um at what point do you like, do you get any emergency services around there Always. during that time? Like, whilst you're on the phones, does one of you go and like yeah. get the emergency services round? Let's use the bridge. Yeah. So we had a client phone us up, stood on a barrier of a bridge over the M1, um, not in a good way, expressing that they're going to um, end their own life. I'm on the phone to that client. You're on the phone to a, a family member of the client, 
and then someone else is on the phone to the police and we're trying to get a firm location. So there's three arms of it working. We're getting as much information as we can. What bridge you on? What can you see? Where are you? Calm down, mate. Like, we're going to help you through this. Then the police are en route. We're liaising with the family. And in that instance, within five minutes, we had police on scene that got that person in and got them in protective custody. So we always advocate. We get a lot of people that come to us and go, I am concerned about X. I think they've got this and they're going to do this. We go, right. Thanks for coming to us. Get off the phone to us. Get on the phone to 999. Get them there. Then we'll pick you up and we'll support you through it. Because as much as we try our best, we aren't the emergency services and you need to get 999 involved every single time. If you feel there's a threat to life or someone's safety, 100% all the time, go with the nines. See, when it comes to suicide, a lot of people, are they have a question mark over that. Is this something that I call the police for? Absolutely. If you think there's a risk to life, you need to get on the phone straight away to 999. Mm-hmm. Where we differ from some other services that are out there is we are interventionary. So if you call us and we believe that there is a threat to your life, we will do everything that we can to keep you alive. Yeah. We will work against you if we have to, to keep you alive. Yeah. So there are other services that will stay on the phone while you take your own life or give you support right up until that moment. We're not those people. We are going to do everything that we can to make sure that we get you home to your loved ones because we know from personal experience now what it means to lose someone in those circumstances. It is a ripple effect. Completely. Um, you don't, um, it doesn't end your pain. It defers it to your loved ones. Yes, of course. Um, and it's if we can stop that happening to one, two, three people, we've done our job, you know. Mm. Um, and that's what we're aiming to do. We said that when we That was our up. initial moxie, wasn't it? Let's save one life. Let's and within two weeks, we were like, okay, what's next? Yeah. yeah. Next yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, we do we do operate that motto. So, um, well, I guess there's a lot of lessons learned, though, each time, isn't there? Completely. Uh, and you can kind of compile a portfolio, so to speak, of like SOPs, like, you know, yep. um, which I guess help build the, build your, your, yeah. you know, the business and what you're doing. Uh, all the time, like just to, to, to getting bigger and bigger. And it's important to know as well, like outside of the emergency services, no one was doing this before. So it's not mm. like there's a handbook on how to do it. We're learning as we go. We're really trying to kind of pave the way and and kind of create something that other people can emulate up and down the country to, yeah. to try and prevent loss of life. So yeah, every day's a school day. We come in, no, no two days are the same. Absolutely. Really, no two cases are the same, yeah. especially where suicide's concerned. Yeah, of course. Um, so we really just, yeah, we're learning as we go. Um, over the last yeah, year and a half, we've become pretty good at it, to be fair. And I guess um, that's where it comes with picking up like police forces. We've been out on physical searches, so with Beacon, we can go out and put troops on the ground. We get volunteers in the veteran community who all have relatable skills, search trained, know how to cover ground, can take direction. We've had police turn up and be like, what are you lot doing? And we're like, if you go and sign in through the ops log over there, put your details down, I've got 16 teams on the ground, they're all in teams, I've got safety numbers, I've got this running and I've got a drone with thermal imaging above and they're like, what? (laughs) And we're like, yeah, this is a proper outfit, mate. Um, And then that word spreads and the next time there's a veteran missing in Hampshire Constabulary, the police are like, we need you guys. Yeah, that's and, brilliant. And it Even starts not, not just like missing, like we have the police coming here just because they've got someone in custody. They've picked him up after a rowdy night and they're like, we don't want to just release him, so can you kind of speak to him as soon as he's out? And they literally walk out of the, the cell into, into our care. So, I mean, the more... It, it's better locally because more people are aware of us but we're seeing even in the kind of the north of England and stuff mm. police forces relying more and more on the services that we provide which is you know hugely uh, humbling and it's, well know. that was going to be one of my next questions like I mean can you see yourself like opening another one of these up north um, or another part of the countries um, training 
you know, a clone of you two, yep. pretty much to kind of run different branches and that. Was that like the next yeah, step? Yeah, I mean, at we've least got staff country, in Yorkshire yeah. already, haven't we? So mm-hmm. we've got staff in Yorkshire that are managing, they're going around, they're, they're, they're doing what we do here, managing the caseloads, going to events, getting themselves out there. And the grand scheme is to have one of these bases in every large kind of military garrison city, um, if not every city in the UK, yeah, very, any, very soon. Anywhere where veterans settle, we want kind of boots on the ground and mm. someone that is able to speak to them. Whether or not it's a physical location like this or whether it's, or not it's somebody that goes to events and just having a caseworker in somewhere local where people know it, where they are and they can drop in and have a chat. Um, but yeah, the, the idea is to emulate this across the country and then um, onwards, uh, world domination. Like there's, we're not the only army in the world. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. The only armed forces in the world. We look at you know similar issues around suicide and things in America, Australia. Um, you know, loads. Well, of we've got American troops on the books at the moment. They're expats living in the UK. They've got PTSD or associated trauma from their service. They're now living in the UK. They approach the NHS or the GP and they go, "Didn't serve with us." so they get bounced around and they're like well there's no one to help me and we're like "All right, we'll do it so we've got two Americans on the books currently we had a case of one of them that the only way that they were ever going to get treatment was to leave the UK so they literally had to go back fly back to the VA Um, yeah to Mm. go to the VA and get help so that to us is a broken system Mm. you've served not our country but you know you're an ally Mm. and you've served your country if you're now settled here then you deserve yeah yeah um, but they did that in Australia obviously I was saying before when I lived in Australia um if you become a permanent resident and you like left the military with like your injuries and stuff like that, you immediately get this um, gold card that's called. And like, if you've got an appointment, a taxi will pick you up from your house. Wow! Um, and like, take you to your appointment, and you go and get you get private. Like, if you need an X-ray or an MRI scan, something like that, you get like it's done privately. Well, that's what we should be doing. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. And uh, so, my my granddad is ninety-seven in a couple of weeks. Canadian infantry he lives down in Bournemouth. And um, he fought on D-Day and he's lived in the UK for like 70 years or something. Um, and the Canadian government pay for his parking at like Bournemouth Hospital. Wow. Uh, well, nice. obviously when someone takes him yeah. there and stuff like that. And he just said there's like receipts to like some, to an embassy or something like that, uh, like a constabulary. And they pay for it all like. Wow, that's gleaming. I'm not saying we don't do nothing, it's getting better and better. No, you, we, we are doing better. But we can learn a lot. And, uh, and a lot of organisations actually use places like Canada as a template for the care. Mm. So you've got places like Combat Stress and the, the services that they provide are very much based on the services that are already available by default. To the Dutch, other, the Canadians, yeah, yeah. the Americans mm. are um, probably pioneering. Yeah, and you, you know, when you're, if you have ever been on a flight to America or, or back from America, you always get the kind of we're priority boarding for veterans and like so thank you for your service and they literally let them get on ahead of like business and first class you know and everyone claps and it's kind of this big Mm. thing they have such a great relationship um at least the 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 general public have such a great relationship with their veterans in the Mm. country yeah yeah. um we don't have the same thing here we do you know you'll occasionally get someone that will pat you on the back and kind of recognize one of your tats as kind of military and say thanks for your service but it's mostly military to military yeah yeah. Yeah. and thank you it's not really the general public and it's not about wanting that kind of pat on the back or the handshake it's about just recognizing that um these people have put themselves in harm harm's way um for for your for your benefit so mm-hmm. it's just about showing a bit of appreciation for that and just making sure that the services are there when they come home um, and need support yeah and i think um you know i wasn't really touching it on the podcast but i think like now more than ever with everything that's going on with this whole you know coronavirus and that like the military the emergency services 
Um, even what, like, I imagine, you know, things might hot up for you guys with the stress that's being brought on the country. And there was a discussion I was having yesterday. Um, like, it wouldn't surprise me with, you know, I know the government's done a really good job of what they're doing with, you know, people potentially getting laid off and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, there's potentially going to be quite an increase in mental health issues with everything yeah. going on because the fear of the unknown, fear of not knowing where the next paycheck's going to come from if they've just been laid off. Uh, and the pace of life nowadays is like doesn't help a lot of the mental health problems, does it? Completely. Um, and we were discussing this yesterday, so I mean things could get quite busy for you guys as well. We've already um, seen a big upturn yeah. in the amount of people that are reaching out for support because they're anxious, they're isolated, um, they've got existing mental health conditions, and this is just compounding and exacerbating that. Yeah. And that's why we've started trying to do things online to bring that kind of isolated community together. Mm. Speaking to you a minute ago about your kind of fitness program, um, that'd be something really, really good that we can put on the program yeah. and start educating people on like now's the time to pay attention to your kind of mental well being more than ever. Mm. If you're going to be let's say worst case and we get locked in for a sustained period of time managing your mental health managing your mindfulness and keeping yourself active and fit while you're indoors is going to be paramount yeah and if you look at kind of generally like outside of coronavirus and outside of the current situation if somebody came in here and said what can i do to kind of manage my own mental health Mm. we'd create like a tick list of things you can do and it's like go to the gym well that's out and it's like go for a nice walk i can't do that either and it's kind of you're left with people that are already anxious anyway now there's the fear and uncertainty of kind of as you said literally how am i going to eat how am i going to how am i going to mm. kind of earn money that kind mm. of thing to having lots and lots of free time isolated on their own it's a hotbed mm. for you know for mental illness and yeah you know we've kind of already amongst ourselves um said we we expect our service to get busier. Mm. We expect the number of of suicide or self harm incident, incidents to increase, um, and we need to kind of make sure that we've got the systems in place. So, mm. I mean, with I'm pretty proud that so far we've been one of the few organisations serving veterans that haven't reduced our services at all mm. um, in the wake of uh, everything that's going on with COVID nineteen. So yeah, and I think again talking about the transitions and stuff, especially for the people that have only just left the military. Um, you know, I, I keep quite an avid eye on uh, a few of the veterans groups and stuff like that. And there's um, there's a lot of guys that are quite worried about just literally leaving the military, supposed to be starting a new job, when they can't. Employment, yeah, um, massive. And, and you know, that, that worry about, and you know, suddenly haven't got all that security bubble overview um, is something to really keep an eye on. So, you know, mm. I'm, if, you're, if, you know if you're listening and watching this and you know veterans who are, going through that stage like really keep an eye out for them and um yeah. and look out for each other you know um so you know obviously what you guys are going to be doing and they're potentially going to be like fairly busy I and mean, we talked about that you know trying to keep your mental health as uh, fresh as possible if mm. we can call it um that's that's one of the main reasons why i wanted to put on the, this free 30-day um, home workout program that like anybody can join in it's like designed for the the kit is designed for the kids um, designed for families you know even people uh, who are pregnant old young yeah. you know any any restrictions uh, because everything's scalable so you know everything that I put out there it, you know every single sort of part of like workout stuff scalable there's like daily recipes of the day like, all this kind of nice. stuff uh, and I'm going to be getting people like online doing lives um, like joint lives between me and them where people can watch sort of like these videos from home uh, and can get inspiration from other experts 
yeah. you know, that not just in the fitness and nutrition fields, but people that um, are, you know, really good at e-commerce and stuff like that, because obviously e-commerce is going to go through the, the roof. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, again, it all affects that, that, that mental health sort of thing. So I think the more people like yourselves and that, that are really sending that message out to what to the science to look out for, but how to obviously keep on top of that positive mental health whilst potentially in isolation um, and boredom, loneliness, yep. all the rest of it. Trying to deal with the kids being at home and like educating yeah. the kids at yeah. home and stuff, it's all going to just ramp, ramp things up, isn't it? Yeah, so. When you realise you're not smarter than a 10 year old. Yeah. yeah. Fact, yeah. I could vouch for that. Ex-infantry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's uh, it's quite. I've seen a lot of people talking about that kind of stuff. Like, God, how am I supposed to teach my kids like simultaneous Again, equations? Even, <laughs> I think a lot of the media has been negative around it, but just even changing the language, you stop saying "I have to," start saying "I get to." Yeah. Look at the positives yeah, yeah. that come from being 100%. isolated. You've got the amount of times in the last month or so I've gone home and there's a massive pile of washing. I've gone, I've got no time for that, and I've just, you know, I've just pretended it's not there. Now I'm at home. We're isolated. I can do the washing. I can kind of take a bit more time for myself quality time um, with the kids decorate yeah, yeah. things like that that you can do now yeah. because you've got time yeah and it's something I've been saying uh, in, in my own groups that I run and stuff like that like there's never been a better time in life to reinvent yourself yeah. I mean 100%. like massively mate and that's you know and actually working on yourself and um, having lived and been in different places in the world I think our country is one of the worst for it of yeah. like neglecting your own sort of personal development because you're you're in the moment and everything's 100 miles an hour. It's only when you go to other countries that you realise that our relationship with work is just so toxic. full on and toxic, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so, you know, we're, you genuinely feel guilty if you're not working from the second you get up to the second you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, you sit there and go, oh, I could have done more today. And it's like, no, like, take some time for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, like while you're isolated, just make the most of that time. If there's something that you want to do, there's loads of online courses. Yeah. You know, you've got Udemy and places like that that you can pretty much learn to do anything. Yeah. Um, go and do it. Take advantage of the time, especially if you're in a role where it's one thing if you're working from home, but if you're in a role that you you literally can't work from home and you're just sat around kind of twiddling your thumbs, take that time to work on yourself, do some self development. I'm going to take an online scuba diving course. <laughs> do it. Yeah. <laughs> online underwater carpet <laughs> yeah. awesome well guys um, I want to say thank you for obviously giving me the time and the, uh, of yours you know and your busy schedule for me to come down to the awesome setup you've got down here in, in Portsmouth it's absolutely fantastic you know I've been looking forward to it for ages um, and you know I'm really proud for you guys that you walked away from the Millies with that award and it's you know mm-hmm. and rightly so the, the things you do are just like unreal like and yeah, I'm sure the people out there listening and watching will tune in, find you know, and see all the other stuff that you do now, and you you know you will continue to do, and and please support everything these guys are doing, and you know the support of the population is what helps drive, you know, not just the business side of it, but it's what helps lives, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we've said it time and time again. We put a notification out there, but without the community sharing it, liking it, commenting it, it's nothing. Like we wouldn't get three million views or shares without the audience and without the community supporting us. So uh, I guess everything we do is down to them and we wouldn't be here and be half as successful without our audience. And we hear a lot of um, kind of people use it as a negative a lot when they talk about veterans and they say they find it hard to let go, they're hyper aware. All of those skills come in really handy when you're trying to save someone's life. So um, it's all about looking at the positives and taking that away. So, Transferable yeah, skills. So thank you to everybody that kind of contributes towards that and helps us save lives 
Um, I just want to say anyone that is watching, uh, if you're a veteran or service person and you are low of mood and you want to chat, head to allcallscience.org, hit chat now button and someone will connect to you. If you want to access mental health service, give us a call. Uh, the number's 0330-320-1185. We're here. Um, yeah, we're not going anywhere. COVID-19 be damned. Um, we're going to be still offering the same services, same level of support. So if you need it, reach out. Yeah, and um, I'll put all your tags, your websites, your phone numbers, everything in all the show notes anyway, uh, and on my website. Um, if you want to download on Spotify or um, iTunes and all the other platforms, just head to my website, website uh, mrajroberts.com. I've got a whole podcast section there where you can um, download the episode and it'll have all the details of these guys as well. Um, but yeah, for me, guys, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us, um, man. You know, it's really good to finally meet you. Like, Thank you. This is exactly why I love doing the podcast and especially doing it in person because um, it's like my drug. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. getting real positive messages out there to people in the masses uh, and trying to help as many people as possible, like exactly what you guys are doing. And then the more um, people can get the message out there, what you guys are doing, you know, the better. Um, but for me, to you guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Please make sure you share it with as many people as possible. We want to get these guys the recognition they deserve, not just the Millie Awards. We want everyone in the country knowing what they've done. Um, please download the episodes, iTunes, Spotify, and if you're on Apple, please leave a five-star review. It goes a long way and it helps get the episode out there to as many people as possible. But until next time, please go out there and be the best version of you.